Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. I am joined by my associate and co-conspirator, Mr. Tron Carter. Good afternoon, TC. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good, Randy. I just real quick, I just want to address some things from last week, namely the microphone. Uh, that was my my portable microphone. It was not a lunar lander or a or an anal bead or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> Just, just wanted to get that out there. A, a prostate massager, I believe, uh, <laughs> came up at one point last week. Uh, well, thank you for thank you for setting the record straight there. We are joined by a very special guest today, Mr. Neil Schuster, the merch czar. Neil, where the heck are you, and how the heck are you, gentlemen? It's good to be back in the hot seat. Uh, I am currently in uh, Brooklyn, New York, my new home. Um, and uh, I'm far from moved in. I'm very uh, scattered, and uh, it's been a it's been a long couple weeks getting getting up here from Florida. Uh, but we're psyched. We're, we're you know we're looking up and out, as you like to say, Randy. Uh, yes. So you know, fired up to be back in that New York state of mind. Shout out to uh, a, a favorite of the franchise, Don Henley. Excellent. Well, we got a lot of stuff. No, to get sorry, in. sorry. He's a New York minute. I'm, I'm before I have to make a culpa. <laughs> New York, man. New York state of mind would What's be, uh, I think, Nas. So we'll go with that. Shout out to my guy, Nas. Okay. Well, I have no idea if that's correct, but I'm sure people will let us know. Uh, as I was saying, a lot to get into today. Before we dive into the show, though, let me thank one of our sponsors right off the top, and that is Whoop. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA Tours. Monitor your recovery, sleep, training, and health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with Whoop. Train smarter, recover faster, sleep better, and now feel healthier with Whoop and their all-new Whoop 4.0, the latest, most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The all-new 4.0 is smaller, smarter, and designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. The device also features a smart alarm designed to wake you up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the day. Plus, if that's not enough, it was designed with their Anywhere technology so you can wear it with their Whoop body sensor enhanced technical garments. The all-new waterproof device is free, guys, free when you sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. Right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code NLU15 at checkout. So go to Whoop. W-H-O-O-P dot com. Enter NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. Thank them very much for being a great sponsor of the Trap Draw. Now let's uh, yeah, let's clean up some housekeeping from, from last week. TC, thank you for uh, getting out in front of the microphone. Um, I, I think the other big takeaway from last week, I think we mispronounced. Uh, we were talking about Pippa Middleton, and I think we both called her... Uh, part of her title was douchey, and I am led to believe it is actually, in fact, pronounced duchy. So uh, I, that's a that's one we gotta definitely correct for the record. That's Listen, big. We you regret guys. the error. Uh, no further comments. 
Randy, are you going to apologize on behalf of just the city of of Denver for the for the bandwidth issues that you've been having, both here and on live shows? Is that is that something we can talk about? No, Neil, that's not on the agenda. If you wanted to talk about that, I would have uh, loved to have put you have have you put that in the agenda. Um, yeah, you know, I just got an Ethernet cable, so live shows should be dialed. I did not plug it in to record right now, so I apologize to you, Neil, and I apologize to anybody, but I will not be apologizing on behalf of Denver. That feels like an own goal, um, so we'll give the ISP out there a pass for now. I will say things have changed here on the trap draw. If you're, you're, you guys are sticking to a hard and fast agenda these days, that's that's new for me. Well, you know so, what, Neil. Speaking of agendas, do you have anything that you want to apologize for on behalf yeah, of and, your anything alma mater? at all, Neil? Anything at all? Um, not right now. No, I'm good, man. I've been kind of under the radar. Should do you guys have something in mind? Well, yeah, they completely fudged their numbers to get a a better u.s news and world report ranking is that of course you know, are you proud of, of your institution wow. for that okay yes speaking of speaking of agendas now i see where you're going i should pull the agenda up huh uh you know <laughs> i think i'm gonna i'm gonna plead the fifth on this one i you know this i've seen this headline a bunch and i'm just like i haven't opened up the article to read about it uh i have my own issues with my with my alma mater um things like the way the uh endowment is used and, and just higher education in general. I feel like it's a massive bubble in our country and it, it's very frustrating. So when I read articles like that, it just puts me in a bad mood. So I wouldn't say I've, I'm up to date on the story. I do think that the college ranking system itself and, and the, the ratings agency, US News and World Report is bullshit to begin with. And it's a pay for play uh, entity or organization similar to the financial crisis and Moody's and, and the rating system on you know junk bonds Golf and things courses. of that nature golf courses, <laughs> all of it. It's all a rigged game. So I think, yeah, C Columbia seems like they got their, you know, caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Um, but it also seems like they're saying like, cool, we're just not going to submit for ratings anymore. They're just going to opt out. And if a bunch of schools start doing that, it'll show what a farce the rating system is too. I think the biggest issue I have with Columbia and Ivy Leagues and all these, you know, top tier schools is the scarcity of basically all of them are, are chasing this um, like low acceptance rate. Like they, they, you've they been reading up. too much prof G. No, it's true. Like, Oh we, yeah. We're 8% acceptance rate is like a badge of, of honor. It's been that way for forever. Not in prof G definitely is harping on that stuff. I think he's right about it. I think that's, that's bullshit. You shouldn't be celebrating how few people you're letting in and educating. So anyway, if you want to go there, we can, I just don't really have a, a, a big, I don't have the full story yet on the um, on fudging the numbers for for uh, the uh, ranking system. Well, Neil, perhaps that's some that's some homework for you. You know, perhaps you should get the full story because I think it's throwing into question your entire career. I have point. to wonder what else are they faking. I know that's the only question that that I can think of now is is did you even take real classes, Neil? I will say. Uh, the, I don't want to call it a, a dirty secret, but the hardest part of Columbia, in my experience, was you know getting into the school. So working the system, you know, for me, playing football helped a ton, right? I'm not getting in on on my high school grades, um, but I feel like most students there had a reason. Somebody was a high level violin player, or they had something else other than just being super smart. So you had to play a card, right? Once you're there, high level it, violin player. It's big, a big like, dick violin player. Yeah, seriously, some big dick violin players up there. You know, the real uh, the real big dick ones are I think are at Juilliard. Is that is that correct? Well, 
yes, but Manhattan School of Music is across the street, and there's a little bit of a, a you know, kind of sharing of, of resources going on there as well. But my point was going to be once you're there, it benefits them in no way to flunk you out. All you had, you, you know, if you're on, if, if this, there's an exception here, the, the C's, School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, like that shit's hard. But on the Columbia College side, the liberal arts education, you had to show up for class. And, you know, as, as the old saying is on the football team, C's get degrees, right? So if you showed up for class, like there was a bit of a participation trophy. I wouldn't say it was a good trophy, but you're going to you're going to get through because they want to get money out of you for the next 60, 70 years. Right. When they blow you up every day on giving day, matching day, blah, blah, blah. When they've got a 13 billion dollar endowment. So I would say that, you know, maybe maybe it is all maybe the whole higher education systems a farce. I don't know. But at some point, that piece of paper does, you know, does help you, especially in the one, two, three years after college. After that, I think, you know, the, the rest of the resume speaks for itself. Neil, Neil, perhaps we'll have to have your wife on to, to really get the full story from her. Plus, the other reason that they don't want to let, you know, flunk you out is because that would mean that they have to let more people in, thus increasing their acceptance rate, right? That That is probably some of it. Um, but yeah, it's, just, you know, it's, it's this higher education stuff. It's big business, right? It's, it's a, it's a P&L situation, right? I just uh, the, think it's bullshit. A lot of people the, the call the Ivy Leagues. Tax. A lot of people call the Ivy Leagues hedge funds with a with an education arm. I I would co-sign that label. So you know you're right, TC. I do need to do a little digging. I've been a little distracted of late, so I haven't been keeping up as much as I should with the news. I haven't been keeping up as much as I should with golf. I just need to. I got to get through this Roost Club Championship this weekend, and then next week I feel like I can lock in on a new routine. I can start to get my feet under me up here, back in the uh, back in the big titty. We'll get what? to your. Uh... You know, you're and, and can we can, can we bottom line? Are, are you apologizing or not? Was there an apology <laughs> in there? He's obfuscating. Uh, yes, I apologize. You know, I apologize <laughs> okay. that I'm that I'm that I'm associated with that. It, it's true. It's yeah. That's it's an embarrassment, right? Like, you know, you shouldn't get they shouldn't get caught for that. Period. Right <laughs> now, everybody's doing it, but they shouldn't get caught for it. That's that's a bad look for my alma mater. There you go. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, I do want to shout out, though. I do want to shout out the Columbia football team, right? Okay. Big season We're coming up. They just got, a, just got a big win at, at Marist, the Marist College. Not the Marist School, but the Marist College, the uh, the Marist Foxes, University, right? the Red Foxes. Um, so, you know, Bagnoli's got the boys playing hard. Let's go. Uh, uh, some more loose ends. TC, liquid death update. People are trying it all over the place. Have you tried the mango flavor? I know that was... Yeah. Uh, I, what's I the report? What's the report? I liked it more than the berry flavor. I think the berry flavor is called Buried Alive. Uh, but the mango flavor, less syrupy, a little bit of that softness to it that we were after. But still, I'm just going to stick with with the regular. I got my regular one here. I just want to be very clear to people, too. They're not sponsoring this podcast. I've, <laughs> I've reached out to them, possibly but, to make but one we, of those But we would be open yeah. to it, yes. Yeah. But they... They are not yeah. sponsoring. I am in contact with them, but they are not sponsoring this podcast. So many people reaching out every week. Uh, Mr. TC, I picked up a you know a loose can here of of LD. Uh, a lot of people going with the non sparkling, which I I don't really understand. Uh, the, like the only reason you want to you know get this stuff is because it's a massive sixteen point nine fluid ounce, five hundred milliliter, big gulp can of uh, of you know sparkling water that that isn't too, too fizzy, but it still murders your thirst. 
Where do you shake yeah. out on the liquid death? I'm I'm way in on murdering my thirst. Uh, my <laughs> wife Carson got me a liquid death T-shirt for my birthday, among other things. So you're a big I've been, Soda Stream guy, though. Yeah, so that's that's the other thing I was going to add. Well, one is I'm a big fan of sparkling water in a can. It has an an extra an extra bite to it. I don't think that liquid death has as much fizz as I like. I'm a massive Soda Stream fan, but I do have a bone to pick with my Soda Stream guys. Uh, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond and picked one up because I left my current one at the Kill House, so I have one down in Florida when I visit. I picked up the new Terra. For for tax reasons, right? Of course. I picked up the new Terra model, which is like a kind of plug-and-play. You don't have to spin the the NOS can in. And, you know, Randy, I had a situation like you. Like, Carson and I sent Randy a SodaStream as a housewarming gift. Uh, Of course, it did work. It was a beautiful gift, which is unfortunate, but it was a beautiful gift. And 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 it basically, like I think the sealing mechanism, you know, water's going everywhere when he's trying to to pump it up. Not good. Uh, so I, I plug in this this plug and play tank to the the ones with the pink tops on them is what you got to look for. I plug it in, and the button's stuck, so it's just going nuts, and water's going all over my kitchen, and and I, basically I couldn't get it to stop uh, the tank to stop shooting out air. And so the tank went empty in like, I don't know, 45 seconds. So I got to take it back. I got to go get the old model, but they're not selling the old model anywhere because they're oh. pushing this new terrible shit. Oh. So they're trying to like evolve the product and make it a little bit more seamless, but they're kind of fucking it up. So I'm a little frustrated with SodaStream is the moral of the story. But well, when Neil, I have I my regular one, me. I hit like five, 10 pumps. I get that thing super, super fizzy. Uh, it's a, it's such a good thing to have in the house. So I would I would recommend that product. We. You you purchased one for us, uh, I think, either last year or a couple of years ago. Uh, I refused to let Freddie use it because it sounds very similar. He spills water all over the house. Uh, he goes through a, a CO two cartridge in you know very very quick amount of time. Um, but you know I don't I'm not sure that you need to be wearing that liquid death shirt around. Because I don't feel like you're you're truly a liquid death guy. Uh, a little bit of no, stolen I, I, valor. If it, when it, no, when it comes to to Lacroix versus liquid death i'm in i'm just more of a a, a self-service guy I, because i like to control the amount of bubbles now if i'm in the store and i'm looking at the rack i'm going liquid death i like the size of the can you know i love i love the brand messaging I, you know I'm, I'm all in on you know homicidal thirst needs um and my thought process tc with the soda stream for you was freddie's um you know propensity to leave uh, half drank fancy waters all over your house. Well, he'll open a can, take a sip, and Which, then listen, just... Listen, we're, we're cracking down on that. So uh, I thought the soda stream, if you're into... operating it, would be better for you guys because you could manage the intake a little bit. Been been deep in the Pellegrino scene lately at home. Just a big case of Pellegrino, and then I can I can control how much he drinks. If he wants a little, little bit, I pour him a little bit, you know? I like the Pellegrino water for dinner. The problem is... And it, they brand it as reusable. You can screw the top back on, but but it lets all the gas out, right? So the serving size is too big, and then by the time you get back to it, the bubbles are gone. I just think it's it's a you know it's a poor experience if you're if you're pacing yourself with, See, with the intake. If I'm dehydrated at all, I I reach for a Pellegrino because I know I have to drink it relatively fast. I got to drink it in a ninety minute window and i know i'm gonna murder like i'm truly gonna murder my thirst with pellegrino that's fair i'd have to have two two cans of liquid death i will say the the whole foods here in in brooklyn um 
uh, they only had LaCroix and some other, they have this Howl stuff, uh, Howl's New York. It's like this local seltzer, you know, bubbly water. They have great bubbles in them. I don't like that they come in plastic uh, containers because I do like the can. So I picked can't, up some LaCroix. They, do don't have, they don't have liquid death at this Whole Foods. But what they do have is a, a mushroom container, TC, <laughs> which I sent you a picture of. They're growing their own mushrooms in, in Whole Foods in this like, you know, sealed box. It's, it's pretty freaky looking. So something to monitor for you guys. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Um, appreciate that. Uh, Let's see, TC. You know, we got a little feedback on the Kroger branded uh, content stuff with uh, with eighty four fifty one. I still don't really know what's going on there, so I, I think we just continue to watch that space. No, yeah, no. Yeah, I think real if we, update. We, we probably need to, you know, get THG on the horn at some point. We can disguise his voice yes. or something. Yes. Uh, but you know he can he can get us in on that. I think I mean shit. Maybe everything that we're doing around Liquid Death, maybe that's that's some sort of Kroger eighty four fifty one activation, and we just don't know about it yet. You know, which that would be sick. Yeah, uh, TCU. I, I you, think you, what's what's going on there is <laughs> a uh, because of the iOS crackdown and all the attribution issues with digital ads. I think everybody's on the hunt for first party data. People just they need. They need buying signals, and a place like Kroger's got a lot of those. Oh, so, well, that's I mean, Kroger's the, the way that they leverage their their Kroger Plus cards. It's it's quite frankly, I think it's a it's a massive issue, and there's a, it's pretty, <laughs> why is it's it a pretty massive malicious. issue? Why? Oh, they're 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 holding vendors hostage for this data, uh, all sorts all sorts of stuff. You know, like I was just I was walking around the grocery store yesterday. There's all sorts of just pay for play on the on the placement, you of know. Of course, uh, that's a story all this time. It's crazy, you know. Uh, yeah, but then but then you start withholding some of the Kroger Plus data and all that. It's it's a whole web. It's a nasty web. <laughs> These are nasty I will say something that's, that's always disappointing to me is back to the Whole Foods example. Whenever you scan, you're checking out, and you're like, "Oh, scan your you know Amazon barcode, right?" And it's like, "Oh." Yeah, I'm gonna get some big prime discounts. It's legit like sixty-five cents on like a two hundred dollar grocery run. Like there's no there's no savings to be had. Whereas I I was uh I think Safeway, every time I've used a Safeway card, it's like they're they're knocking like fifteen, twenty bucks off of a you know, a grocery checkout. And I'm just always very disappointed that that Amazon's not bringing some more discounts um at Whole Foods. You know. So anyway, just something else to monitor for you guys. Neil, I got a lot of gripes with Whole Foods, so we can we can reserve those for another episode. But yeah, I've I've taken taken a lot of my business over to Costco and Publix here lately. Our yeah, Whole Foods new, is not new Costco, man. Congrats, TC. not delivering here in Jacks. Well, Neil, uh, sounds like you know you're you're back in Brooklyn. You're going to Whole Foods. Things are things are going swimmingly <laughs> from that perspective. Uh, T- well, it's right down the right in the world. That's, that's yeah. kind of my my only. My only option at this point. Do I, do I see a mustache growing on on your upper lip? Uh, TC, tell us you were up in Seattle. How a quick download on Seattle? How was that? You were you were up there for a, a refuge event. I was. Yeah, flew out with my wife. Um, flew out on United through Houston. Good to be back in the Houston airport. Uh, and got there. Played golf on Thursday and Friday at Chambers Bay. Um, 
you know what hurts my guys it hurts everybody was sold out on rental cars at the seattle airport uh so i had to get a one from an off-premise location stayed in tacoma for two nights had some good coffee Bluebeard and olympia coffee played golf with uh our man squid as well as the alpha michael greller mm. and his uh his uh principal from when he was a teacher his principal uh was just this Canadian guy, just the man. Uh, he was fantastic. We had a great day out there. Went went back out the next day, played with a bunch of refuge folks. Uh, I was the only non-engineer in my group. There were two uh, two aerospace engineers and one software engineer. Uh, so I felt very uh, unintelligent. And then, um, yeah, that place just, it rules. You guys got to get there for it next year. And then, uh, yeah, we stayed. We drove up to Seattle after that. Stayed up, uh, stayed downtown and kind of wandered around the market a couple mornings. We went to some great restaurants, got some more great coffee, went to a restaurant called Canless, which was just resplendent. It was like a new mommy bomb, uh, you know, all sorts of dashi broth and, and, and mushrooms, great burgundy list. Randy, you would have been <laughs> all over these trees there too. It was, one, it was one of the coolest buildings I've ever been in, uh, there's savage piano player. There were some people that that were either on the cast or worked on the production of Succession that were dining there that night. So the guy was playing a bunch of Succession tunes <laughs> on the piano, uh, and then we ate a, a a bajillion oysters. We went to uh, the gosh Baywater Sweets was the name. My new favorite oysters, even over Wellfleet Wow. Creeks. Wow. Uh, so big news there. We went on a a, a boat tour. Uh, out of uh, Lake Union into uh, like through the locks there in Ballard and then out to kind of the port of Seattle. That was cool. Always cool to see, you know, infrastructure in action, all sorts of seaplanes taking off on the lake there. Uh, we went out to, to uh, Woodenville one day, went to some, some wineries. It was just a, it was a lovely, lovely weekend. So that's, that's magnificent. Uh, good, good for you. I still have not. I, I will say though, Randy, I don't want to end on a bad note here, but I will say the Seattle airport, complete and utter disgrace right now. TC, I was going to ask you that because I was just out there last month and I was very unimpressed with the airport as well. Yeah, I, I take back it, all the positivity I had about it from the first time I'd flown through there. Uh, a lot of people, sounds like they they go out of uh, Payne Field up in Everett or they, they take the train or drive down to PDX instead, but... Yeah, Seattle Airport's just kind of overcrowded, weird layout. I don't really understand the layout. And I mean, it was, I've got clear and TSA pre check, and it took me like an hour to get through security. Mm -hmm. uh, Alex signed up for clear on the spot. Otherwise, she would have missed our flight. Um, it was, it was just, you know, terrible signage, terrible, uh, you know, management going on there. They've got shitty food options, just not good. The Amex lounges are a massive problem everywhere, as we know. Uh, you know, Atlanta, Seattle, they're oversubscribed. It's a disgrace. The, mm -hmm. Same uh, with the, the Delta Sky Clubs, too. The one thing I'd add that I did not like about SeaTac was I found the roads, the uh, arrival departure situation, very confusing. Trying to get into the terminal, signage is mm -hmm. awful. And it's just a very uh, unintuitive process getting getting the car to where it needs to go. So that's that's uh, that's all I'll say. And then what's with this spot saver thing? You guys seen this shit? I no. have not. I have not. 
it's like this this QR code or this app that you download and it like saves your spot in line at security. Basically, I don't I don't understand the concept of it or how it's not just exacerbating the problem, but it's stupid. It's yeah, so. it's disgusting. I mean, I'm it, I I think any any stratification of anything when it comes to traveling I, i'm generally I, i'm kind of against now i take advantage of some things but i don't like it it all I, I feel like we're we're heading down a path that's not good yeah we're and gonna be Randy, uh, it was, soon we're gonna be course. paying people you know we're gonna be like door dashing just for people to go wait in line at security for us it's horrible wow, interesting uh, concept and disruptive lastly, concept delta. there randy <laughs> delta had you know it was a couple 757s just bad you know flew delta the way back 757 from seattle to atlanta on a five and a half six hour flight and then 757 to jacks just bad boarding experience old ass plane can't all right that's we're good on that okay. uh, all right tc curious did you get hit with the seattle freeze at all out there no everybody was so much both times i've been everybody's been so much more friendly than than i would anticipate it's been uh you know maybe i'm just more in like neighborhoody areas but it's been fantastic and the weather was great both times too so maybe everybody's in a good mood as well but i have heard about the seattle freeze uh all right let's see let's quickly we can go through some stuff we're monitoring um we got some football reaction and then the the main course neil we got to talk about your recent climb up mount rainier uh we will we will get to that shortly so let's see where where do we start here um Seems like hurricane season is is upon us. Thoughts with with Puerto Rico, Hur- Hurricane Fiona slammed into them. Uh, TC, what's the what's the word on the Florida coast? Are are people gearing up for hurricane season? Well, a little bit. My, I tell you what, my parents were down here and they were freaked out. They were like, "Oh my god, this Hurricane Fiona!" I'm like, "Mom, this thing's forecasted in Puerto Rico and then go so far off the coast, it's not going to come within thousand miles of us." So. You know, they need to understand how, how this stuff tracks up the coast. A lot going on out there right now. There's like, I think there's something down by Venezuela that could come through. There's a couple things off the coast of Africa. Of course, we know from our, our man Lou that, uh, you know, that means that there's not any dust. We, we don't off. have enough dust. Yeah, we don't have enough dust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just, that's September here. September, October. It's been a pretty quiet season thus far, though. So... We uh, we didn't really touch on the big impending rail strike last week, but thankfully it, it seems like we've we've avoided th- that. Uh, really, it sounded like it was going to be a catastrophe with just supply chain and, and getting product across the country where it needs to go. So big win there. Yeah. Um, Related to that, quick, quick story. I was at the U-Haul place a couple days ago in line, a long line, not a great process guy in front of me was just going nuts about you know he i'm a class i got a class c or class a license and i'm he was so bummed that the rail strike didn't happen because he thought he was going to get paid with all the uh <laughs> all the needs for for more truck drivers so he was lamenting the uh 11th hour deal that came through so yeah. no, just a was different he trying perspective to, for you guy like was he was he renting a u-haul in advance of no no of the he, rail strike trying to like, like moonlight he, I don't know. He was saying like, you know, I got a class A license, so I always have a job because people always need me to move shit. And I'm so I think someone just hired him to move some stuff in the city. But he was like, I was about to 
about to get paid because there weren't going to be anybody else to take this, you know, things from point A to point B. So I guess, you know, they would be trying to ramp up drivers. Which talk about U-Haul, you, you were trying to uh, attach one to the back of your BMW. Yeah, that didn't that didn't work out. There wasn't a, a hitch, and it was gonna. I just I didn't. My moving planning was not good. So we can get into that towards the end. Uh, I, I and then the U-Haul experience in the city was just even worse. So it was tough, man. It's just there's a lot of things about moving that suck. Which TC, as someone who just moved, you you can relate. Randy last year, uh, and then New York City just has this ability to turn the knife just one little extra turn and uh new york city does such a good job of baptizing you like in the first 30 days when you get back of just like oh my god like the the things that already suck they just make them they're just a little bit worse um so yeah like driving around in a u-haul in traffic with the (laughs) potholes like i mean it's one of the most unpleasant experiences there are and then like okay cool we were going to use it to pick up this big mirror that Carson wanted to move into the apartment that won't fit in the car, or, you know, her dad's truck. It's like, all right, cool. Let's get this U-Haul. Well, the mirror is going to break. Mirror. Her truck's, like eight truck's feet. huge. It's like we couldn't fit it. So it's like, okay, cool. Let's get this U-Haul. Well, if we had put this mirror in this U-Haul, it would have shattered into a billion pieces. So I was like, all right, that's not going to work. Well, let's use the U-Haul then to pick up some furniture. Let's go to Ikea. It's like, all right, we go to Ikea. Oh, well, guess what? There's a parking garage and it's an eight foot height limit and the the U-Haul's nine feet, so we can't park it. So then I'm trying to parallel park this U-Haul mm. and that's not going well. And then you go into Ikea and you haven't eaten. Never go to Ikea without eating. That's a horrible idea. Uh, a recipe for, for just a bad attitude. Um, and then, yeah, just having to go return the U-Haul and it, it was, you know, it was just a lot of little shit adding up to a, a really bad, bad day. You could get some horse meat uh, meatballs, though. Right? You can, um, but the line at IKEA in the cafeteria was was stout, so mm. that was tough. Oh, this is where that parking garage. We need, we need seems like a mess. You need to hire people yeah. to wait in line for you. Now you're right. It's, it's kind of the classic, like, oh yeah, I'll do it myself, and then you just you know you don't plan it out, and you get you get bodied. Um, How much IKEA furniture? Well, then we didn't end up really getting anything because they're sold out on all the good stuff. I got a rug and a couple of uh, like little things, but I don't know. I'm, I, I also struggle just with furniture purchases in general. I, I don't own any furniture, so we have to pretty much get everything, which is good because we want to get some you know good stuff. But at the same time, I struggle to pull the trigger on big purchases. So then you just get stuck in this limbo of like, is that the right one? Is that the right color? And, and then you know, two days go by and you still don't have a coffee table, stuff like that. Uh, hate it uh, uh neil what, what can you tell us you, you sent along a story about a new york city man that's been reporting fake crimes for years and years I, yeah i haven't dug in on this one yet i i was hoping that you guys could monitor it on my behalf i mean i've just been busy i try to just tip you guys off kind of <laughs> like a 411 like a hotline you know if you guys are looking for some ideas um but I, I don't really know anything about it you guys should i think i think a voicemail box of of anonymous you know, Mike Vick, he's a pit bull fighter. People can call in, disguise their voices. You could play the recordings on on the trap draw. That'd be good stuff. Oh well, Neil, we'll hold, we'll dig into it. But for anybody curious, there was a New York Times uh, article called "The Mystery Behind the Crime Wave" at three one two Riverside Drive. Essentially, for years, police have received thousands of nine one one calls reporting fights, 
murders, bombs, and hostage situations at the same address. And apparently they, they're they finding out. Isn't that a crime in and of itself? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, it's kind of like yelling fire in a crowded theater when there's no fire. Like, you can't do that. Well, it sounds like they're they're finally like, what is going on here? So anyway, we can report on that uh, in future weeks. TC, sorry. Well, how about how about Adnan getting getting? Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm unsubscribed on the whole the whole serial. I've, I never listened to serial. Oh, man, I was into that. I, I can't believe the that Nisha guy got call, acquitted. Stuff. He got let out of jail. I mean, good for him. But what about the Nisha call? It sounds like the Nisha call was. You know, they were asking the right questions. That's that. I think that's a that's a pretty interesting story. Big the the uh, the main things I'm tracking still are this chess story. Neil, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of this with the the prostate massage or anal beads. Potentially my my microphone a- <laughs> there. Uh, that's I, I saw I saw there was another withdrawal yesterday. Yeah, uh, I guess Magnus played know. one move and then resigned. Yeah. But he still won't say anymore. Like he won't. He won't air out like his specific grievance. Just he. he it seems like Correct. he's just alluding to cheating without saying that homeboy has cheated. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. So what I don't like that. Doing. And I'm a Magnus fan. You know. So I. I don't know. I struggle with that a little bit. I also read a little bit about they think that everybody's been using the anal beads, and Magnus might be using the anal beads as well. That's so interesting. That he doesn't want to call the you know the villain guy out for the anal beads because he might be using the buzzer up the butt too and he's been doing it for so long that it he it was it's like the tour de france like everyone's doping so it's like if you get one guy then the the whole house of cards is going to come crashing down that now that is a twist of the story tc we will have to uh we'll have to dig in on that yeah i've i've been playing chess with freddie a little bit too he talks all sorts of shit and then he and then he like (laughs) then he asks you to be easy on him it's like, come on, man. <laughs> well, I, I so played him a, he's a, five, like three so. months ago, and <laughs> and he, this was eh, maybe six months ago, and he set the board up right. We got like three moves in, and then it was almost like his brain started melting. He's like, Uncle Neil, I don't want to play anymore. And then legit, he was asleep within 10 minutes, which was <laughs> awesome. It's like, oh, man, like I'm going to write that down. Like You want to make a kid fall asleep? Like Make him play chess with you. And then, you know, it just mentally can't handle it. He's going to go to bed. Just great stuff. Totally overwork the brain. Yes. Big, I saw there, uh, you had a follow-up note on the, uh, on, on Fat Leonard in here. Apparently Fat Leonard, people believe he is in Venezuela currently. Uh, a lot of people think he is headed to Brazil. So I think he, a, a family member in Val- Venezuela uh, but people think likely headed for Brazil. Fat Leonard, of course, is the military contractor on the run. Uh, he cut his ankle bra- bracelet off, and uh, the feds are, well, they don't quite know exactly where he is, but they're tracking him. And then other stuff that we're monitoring, I don't think we're ready to talk about yet. Uh, of course, Roger Federer retired. Just extremely classy retirement, unlike some other tennis players lately. Uh, Armenia and that. Uh, let and me just say that is a pure TC. <laughs> T- TC is, has hated Serena for years, so that is a TC take. Love Venus. It's a little can't, annoying. Can't of like, Serena. I don't know. Maybe I'll come back. Like, I I get a little like tired. hijacking the entire fucking tournament. I get tired of, of Federer just, in any sport. The farewell tour only to to hint at a return like uh, even the tom brady stuff it's like dude just either play or don't like i don't need the whole soap opera 
Yeah. I agree. And then, and then like doing it during the tournament, like that was where like Federer did it after the US Open, after everything, and like let everybody have their time in the sun and does it very quietly, very I don't know. I I, I loved it. Uh, PC, I Armenia think it's worth and Azerbaijan calling that out for, for Federer. <laughs> and you don't have to put Serena down. I just think it's like it's worth uh, it's worth a mention. No, I'll I'll put Serena down too. I mean, Fair we're enough. Gonna, we're gonna do that too. Uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan, that situation is still simmering. Iran possibly getting involved. Sounds like things. Uh, we've got some Hungarian. Yeah, no. We got some Hungarian stuff going on. Yes, we do. And it sounds like things might be on the verge of really getting lit in Iran. We'll, we got to have the Sarge back on. We, we got to get a debrief from him on what in the world is not, going on. Not to mention Russia. I don't know if you guys saw what Putin said yesterday. They're going to do conscription into the military. That seems like a a desperate move on his end that's going to piss off a wide swath of the country that was otherwise, you know, relatively unaffected by the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, I saw Argentina raise their interest rates. Out of Russia, one-way flight, the price went up like a thousand percent today. Wild. Neil, I saw Argentina, uh, speaking of surging, raise their interest rates to 75%. It's really tough, man. Uh, if you're going to go to Argentina, bring some U.S. dollars because they will go a long, long, long way. Uh, there's the official exchange rate, and then there's the like street exchange rate, which basically changes every different place you go. It's like you're just basically like doing a deal. It's crazy. And then uh, uh, there's, you know, speaking of the um, CO2 stuff earlier, there's a CO2 shortage right now. One of the, the biggest... Uh, Kind of repositories for it uh, was naturally contaminated. It's in Arkansas, I think. Uh, it was naturally contaminated, so there, there, there's a big shortage going on. It, it's, it's affecting breweries in a big way. Uh, so Neil, so, something to stay tuned on from the SodaStream perspective. And then Randy, you, you were all fired up about this one. Twins.com <laughs> finally sold. Yes. So years ago, early '90s, like when the internet was becoming a thing. There was this Wild West with URLs, right? People were just, they, they were getting these URLs that they never knew would be important later on. And one of the areas where that has manifested is with Major League Sports franchises, right? And so this story is from Major League Baseball specifically. 29 teams have owned, like, essentially their nickname.com. So, you know, Atlanta has Braves.com and the Reds have Reds.com. Etc. Etc. Los Yankees. LosYankees.com. One team, the Minnesota Twins, had never had the URL, had never had the rights to Twins.com, and uh, there's an old Grantland article that that talks about it. Uh, the title is Why Twins.com is the website MLB couldn't buy. So apparently, these two twins, Durland and Darvin. Um, own this URL. <laughs> it was just this like really simple page with a bootleg logo and like contact information for them. And they tracked them down. They're like, you know, mid fifties, just kind of look like old rock and roll guys. Uh, and, but they would never sell the URL. Well, come to find out a couple days ago that they have finally sold the URL and uh, so, so the Minnesota Twins will now own Twins.com, and Derlin and Darvin will no longer have the URL. So, Randy, the only way that that would have been better is if the our guys, you know, recently deceased, but the 
The Bogdanov twins. Whatever you are. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Twins talk. Um so that was big news. That's that's big news. Um yeah, the only other thing I want to mention, Hungary, Neil, I know this is going to be tough news for you, but the EU declared Hungary officially not a democracy. I should say the the European Parliament gave it that designation. It's an electoral autocracy. But, but we could be looking at a lot of downstream effects TC where the EU Council by their uh, bylaws, they have to have. They ha- it has to consist of democracies. So now they're saying, will the EU Council recognize that Hungary is not a democracy? And if they do, you know, they're going to have to essentially like kick them out of the EU Council. A lot of stuff that that could be coming down the pipeline there. So certainly, we'll be keeping an eye on it. Hate it, hate it. You know, people murdering their thirst out there need to murder their hunger. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bad, bad joke. <laughs> let's get into football before we do. Uh, thank our other sponsor today, DraftKings Sportsbook. After two years, fans are cheering for the return of the President's Cup and DraftKings Sportsbook in America. Uh, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour is giving you even more cause for celebration. New customers can place any President's Cup bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets guaranteed. That's not enough excitement. They're also giving you a shot to play free for a share of over $1 million in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So listeners, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU. Place a President's Cup bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets guaranteed. That's promo code NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thank them. I'm excited to get some uh, some real nuggies involved here in the in the big city. Yeah, you know, you're moving getting into out, a, out, a, a betting be, rich uh, environment, aren't you? The, yeah, the the beluga has has migrated north to the Gowanus Canal in the super in the super fun site. He's going to get all all toxic and stuff. Good stuff. Uh, college football. Big congrats to Notre Dame and and Texas A and M with some huge bounce back victories last weekend. Uh, R.I.P. to our boy Herm Edwards and Tempe TC. I know that's. Mm, I hated seeing I know, that, Randy. Me too. That uh, the right, fact so what, that he got hired. What Spencer happened Hulse there? Had some. Can you can you I mean, what catch didn't me up? Happen there. Well, did he get they, yeah. they get in trouble for like violations and he got fired for that? No, he didn't get fired for that. Oh, uh, among yeah, it was basically so. A the hire was bizarre in the first place. Like they did all this, you know. B school school jargon basically about a new leadership model and you know maximizing resources etc. Uh, and then from there, uh, yeah, they just haven't performed very well. Like they just kind of stunk. Yeah, they just sure. stink. kind of like, like the main yeah. the main deal. And then I don't know, like like I'm not sure what the nature of the violations were because like at this point in time, like 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 what do you have to do to get pinched by the ncaa for something i don't know but i i know that like what's against the rules well, yeah I didn't, it seems like there are no rules but the the that's still being investigated i think that's ongoing 
he just lost at home to Eastern Michigan. They gave up like 500 yards of offense, and so they said, Herm, that's it, man. You're, you're done. So thoughts with Coach Edwards now. Uh, TC, it sounds like Nebraska. <laughs> when, when, he, when he took the job, he didn't know that they, they were the Sun Devils, that they were the Devils. He's like, Devils? What are you, what are you talking about, Devils? Yeah, he's like super Christian, I guess. He's, uh, yeah. Um, TC, it He'll sounds like... back ne- on TV, you know, in, in within a month, I bet. Nebraska fans are absolutely clamoring for Urban Meyer. What do, what do you make of that? Uh, I think it's a... like. I think Urban should go to like somewhere like Arizona State that clearly doesn't have any scruples or... Can we trust him around the co-eds you know, at Arizona shame. State? No, no. I mean, I don't think we can trust them around the co-eds anywhere. True. So you might as well go to the ones that are, you know, kind of out there anyway. I think Nebraska is just way too wholesome of a place for him, right? Yeah. Uh, but he could be like the god of Nebraska. I don't know. Ugh, can't believe we're still talking about Urban Meyer. Uh, <laughs> it would be remiss if we didn't shout out Pusha's Kansas Jayhawks football three and oh start i mean no bigger kansas football fan than than mr poosh so lance leopold man he's he's, he's got the boys playing that's right that's right uh i woke up both uh both our friend michael wolf wolfie and uh his client jim herman both just detonated me with with shots to the head last saturday <laughs> in advance of the uh Another UC beatdown of our of our Miami University Redhawks TC. That's sixteen straight losses to to the Bearcats. It's uh, one more, and we're in Vitas Carolina. That's right. Nobody, you guys need more catitude, man. You got to have more catitude. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for a change. Maybe in Oxford. I I, I think I can yes. officially declare that. But I I none is coming. So you know. Oh God, that sucks. Chuck Martin, just a complete low ceiling, relatively low floor. He's the Andy Dalton of, kind of, of college football coaches. Although big, I will say, uh, it could be worse. We could be like Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech gave their coach a seven-year guaranteed contract. Uh, Jeff Collins. He he basically like did. He was at Temple for I think two years post Matt Rule wasn't all that successful and they gave him this fully guaranteed deal and it's a complete dumpster fire there. I mean, he's going to sink the entire athletic department. And it's not like Georgia Tech has a bunch of big money boosters anyway. Huh. Uh, well, Colorado institutions are dumpster fires in football. CU Boulder is is just a nightmare. Colorado State sucks. Air Force is the best college football team in, in the state of Colorado. I, I would say, you know, the, I would say the, the Buffaloes. Um, I know they got rolled by Minnesota, Air Force, TCU, so far this year. It's a down year for them. So it's That's, very you down. know, I'm not ready to to write them off. Although Carl Durrell is not a was was not exactly a dynamic hire. I don't think. No. I don't know. I liked the the uh, previous coach. Well. We'll we'll see. Uh, Neil, who's who's your NFL team, Neil? Well, I was supposed to go to the Jets Bengals game at MetLife Sunday, but I have to uh, had to back out because we'll be out in Kansas City for the uh, Roost Club Championship, which will like I can't get back. I was trying to get back early, but it just didn't work out. I, I messed up my dates. Very intrigued by that matchup. You know, a a, a Bengals team that's kind of on the ropes a little bit, and then you know the Jets with kinda a little cotton ropes. 
little cotton candy confidence after a, a big win against the Browns. That's that that's a, a very intriguing matchup uh, to to watch. I haven't watched a ton of NFL just because I've been kind of on the move the last couple of weeks. Uh, my fantasy team is a dumpster fire, uh, which is tough. And uh, yeah, but I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, you know getting getting back into the uh, into the mix with with the NFL. I mean, I'd like to see the Falcons, you know, make some noise. I, I was not bullish on Arthur Smith at first, but I kind of like, you know, I think he's creative and he's, you know, the, the way that he uses, you know, his, his players and, and some of the, the moves he made last year. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to wait it out here. I know this year is not supposed to be any good, but um, I would say Falcons are definitely my squad. Well, he's catching some flack right now for, uh, for yeah. underutilizing Kyle Pitts, although Drake London looks good, Drake Kyle London Pitts. looks great, and I, I just yeah. and he also I think what he didn't go for it on like fourth, like fourth and short last week, and it was like, dude, you, you guys are gonna suck this year anyway. You, you should probably just like take some more risks, and yeah, I don't know, kind of had a weird press conference after the game. So Neil, are you are you Giants or Jets? I I, I think I'm more Jets, honestly. I just think it's a funnier franchise, right? Like the the blue blood. New York football giant stuff. You can take that away. I'm good. I've never been a big Eli Manning fan. Um, Tiki Barber is on the radio up here and he kind of stinks. And so I'm just, uh, I feel like the Jets are just a, a, I don't know, more fun, like a little, like they don't pretend to be classy. You know, it's just like, yeah, whatever, man, we, we stink. And so if, if we're any good, it's, it's a lot more fun. It's, it's just kind of funny. And, and so they're easier for me to root for. A lot of people would say, I think you would be a great replacement for Fireman Ed. To lead the Jets, I would chance. love. I would love to try die? for the. the no, I don't uh, think the, he died. The gig, if they're having uh, an open is trials. He done? I think when there's some type of falling out between. I'm not sure between Fireman Ed and the Jets. I don't know, but you know, uh, Robert Sala's been taking some heat. I I like him. I mean, he's kind of one of those like leader of men coaches, similar to uh, what we saw in Hard Knocks with Dan Campbell. All I do is think about you guys, man. Come on, man! I fucking love you guys, man. It's a little bit of like uh, that that vibe, but he was he was taking some heat in in his press conference after their first loss of the season. But they got that win uh, on Sunday, which is big for the for the Jets nation. Yeah, guys, it sounds like Fireman Ed. Uh, he's retired. He's unretired. He got accused of assault at one mm. point. Uh, he's as of September eighth, twenty nineteen, he announced that he would return to leading the Jets chant at okay. home games. According, that's according to uh, Wikipedia. Well, so it it could be wrong. Neil, but. maybe an understudy opportunity for you. Uh, well, let's get let's get through this quick. Let's let's start getting to Mount Rainier. Uh, of course, TC the Bengals, disgraceful performance. Uh, not. Uh, yeah, Randy, are you worried? Yeah, of yeah. course. Are you concerned with Zach Taylor? Yeah, you know, of course we're worried. It's it's an zero and two start. It's not good. The offense looks looks lost. Yeah, I'd be of of course I'm worried. Um, you know we're just gonna they're not gonna make a move. I'll tell you that. So we just got to keep on monitoring the situation and and hope things are are working in the right direction. How long is he locked up? Well, they just for? gave him an extension. They gave him an extension, yeah. right? I'd have to look it up. Probably another three or four years. I mean, are you concerned that some of the things that that I was warning you about, or that 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 we that Poosh and KVV and I were monitoring about Zach Taylor, turned out to be potentially true? I don't know. I don't know. I, I won't. I won't dismiss it out of hand. I think. I think Zach 
has always been his calling card has been culture and and you know helping build the roster and getting it to a good place. Uh, but yeah, they you know being thirty second, I think, in offensive DVOA through two weeks, it's it's not it's not acceptable. It's not yeah. good. So not of course good. there are question marks. Uh, you know, it's up to them to to respond and and we need to see something. So another another big absolute must win game this week. So we shall see, I guess. Yeah, if they lose to the Jets, that's that's not no, good. I mean it's kind of to... season season over a little bit. I was gonna say you might have to call for his job at that point. We'll see. We'll see. We'll so. see. Uh are, were you upset with the Trey Lance injury? Yeah, I don't want to watch Jimmy G. I hate Jimmy G, man. I'm just like, oh, I, I, I hate watching him play. It's just so low upside. It, it's, it's so constraining for Shanny. Now, I, I don't know if Trey Lance is any good either. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads right now. I'm putting all my eggs in the Mike McDaniel basket right now. I think, I think Mike McDaniel might be, might be the second <laughs> coming of, of. Bill Walsh. I mean, he is just a an absolute superstar. Oh, come super on, it's two star. weeks. It's two weeks. We gotta we gotta see a little bit more. He, Tua stinks. Tua stinks. And you know how good he's made him yeah. look. I can't believe that. You know what I, I can't what believe I the Chiefs like didn't about- pay Tyreek. That that's the the decision that just confounds me through all of this. Is why did they why did they trade Tyreek? I, I love Mc, the vibe with McDaniel's of. It's basically the opposite of my college offensive coordinator of like, let's, we're going to run this system, even though we don't have the personnel. And instead, McDaniel's like, yo, I'm just going to get the ball to Tyreek in the, as many times as possible in the, in as many diverse ways as possible. Just like, yo, this is my best player. Like, let's just get him the ball early, often all over the field. And I just, it's just like, man, why, why is that so hard for, these system coordinators to like understand, you know, it's it, not enough coordinators are doing that. And that just seems yeah. when you break it down, like it seems very logical and, and he's, I don't know, just like, he's just doing it. Neil, it's very cool. First of all, it's McDaniel, not McDaniels. I don't want to get into a Wimbledon, Wimbledon Fair Wimbledon situation. Secondly, uh, you know, that's the Shanny way. right? Sure. That's, uh, you know, McDaniel came up under Shanny. You, you have to wonder if, if he's, you know, if he was the secret sauce for Shanny last year. And you know what? At some point, we might have to address that, TC. So, uh, the, the uh, Ravens defense still still stinks on the back end. Neil, any concerns about uh, Marist school alum Kyle Hamilton getting absolutely abused? Uh, I was more concerned about Kyle Hamilton getting injured because just, like, the frame and the way he, like, throw, he, he's pretty reckless. Uh, and when you get like those tall safeties and they start throwing their body around, like a lot of, a lot of different limbs can get, get twisted in the wrong direction. So that was kind of my initial concern when he got drafted. Um, I did not see him get abused. Um, so oh, I will, I will horrible, monitor that for you. Horrible outing. Well, yeah. but the Ravens and, I mean, won. So. And this no, is after no, 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 he tested the Ravens very lost, poorly. Yeah, the Ravens lost. Oh, they did? Um, yeah. Mea culpa. Okay. I thought uh, one Lamar of the had like, comebacks didn't ever. Lamar have, he had like four touchdowns though, right? He did, and then the Dolphins came okay. back. Okay, yeah. Oh, that was a Dolphins game. Got it. All right, my bad. No, I, as okay. I said, I have not that's been right. plugged in. The Jags are are fucking people up. Randy. Yeah, uh, they they they've shut out the Colts. Uh, Frank Reich, may culpa here. I've always been a Frank Reich guy. Uh, Frank Reich might be a massive fraud. Matt Ryan looks absolutely washed. Wait. 
Yeah, uh, I didn't expect that, man. Up. I kind of had high hopes for the Colts with Jonathan Taylor. I thought Matt Ryan had a year I think or two everybody left. Everybody did, and it just yeah. that was a I didn't see that one coming. So that's a bummer because I I, I know Matt Ryan's not the most exciting QB, but I, I think he's he was so so solid for the Falcons, and and I you know I I was a I'm a, I would say I'm a Matt Ryan fan, so I hate to see him. If this is the way it's going to end, I hate that. Uh, out here in Denver. <laughs> Another absolute clown show by Nathaniel Hackett. That guy needs to get fired <laughs> immediately. He's so fucking bad. It just, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Could he possibly get fired in season in year one? I think that's one of the more uh, fun storylines to watch as the season unfolds. Los Lions. We'd, we'd be remiss if uh, you know we didn't mention their, their nice win. St. Brown continues to play well. Uh, they're playing hard. For they're playing Campbell. really hard. Fascinating yeah. roster. Goff looks they're, pretty good. They're, yeah, you know they're not. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be a tough out week to week. I, I believe our our NFL team draft pool through two weeks. TC, I believe you are on top with ten points. KVV is has nine points. I have eight and a half points. Very tight at the top, and then uh, sad to say, Mister Poosh. Just four and a half points through two weeks. Speaking yeah. of Poosh, his guy, Justin Fields, has completed seven passes for 134 yards to wide receivers in two games. Is he, is he flashing? I just want to say we're he flashing right high-level traits, though? TBD, TBD. Just like I think people are starting to come around that like Dak fucking stinks. Like bottom line. He's terrible. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, look at this roster around him. He's still got CeeDee Lamb. He's still got... Pollard, you can say what you want about Zeke. He's got Dalton Schultz. He's still got an all-pro left tackle. You know, people people are starting to come around and figure out that that Dak is like a an upper. He's he's basically like a slightly upgraded version of Andy Dalton. Sure, sure. All right. Well, let's see, Neil. The reason we brought you on today, you 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 climbed Mount Rainier recently, and we wanted to ask you about it. Let's let's kind of break down the experience, but you know, let's start right here. Why did you climb Mount Rainier? Well, I first want to start with it was back in August, mid-August, so it's been about a month. Um, it, and I decided to climb it. I, I announced that I was climbing on our annual Trap Draw Goals podcast back in January. That's right. Uh, I had you know made the decision to climb it last year around this time basically the the, the moral of the story is fomo my buddy ross basically talked myself and uh four of my other friends into doing it and many times over the last year i was like why did i why did i sign up for this because i'm i wouldn't say i'm a massive mountaineering enthusiast um but i i do like big you know brawny physical goals and i needed something um to you know kind of pushed me to get back in shape. And I would say this accomplished both of those goals uh, and a black and white goal. Like I'm going to climb a fucking mountain. That's, that's, that's the goal. I did have a bunch of people reach out to me after that goals podcast, I'd say four or five people. And they were like, you know, it was kind of like the one does not simply walk to the top of um, Rainier or, or sorry. I, and I do need to make a mea culpa here. Another word I have trouble pronouncing. People have gotten in my DMS. It's either rain, rainer or rain ear. It's not, Rainier, which is how I've been pronouncing it for like mm -hmm. the past year. So Rainer, but I can't seem to to get that working in my brain. So anyway. I've also been struggling to spell it too. Yes, I have, you which know. I struggle to spell a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> so 
people were like, you can't just like walk up this mountain, man. Like you got to be prepared. And, and, you know, I was like, yes, I know that it's, I, we I'm the fucking we, kid though. Like I went with a guide. We had a guiding service, RMI expeditions. They were awesome. Would highly, highly recommend these guides. Uh, and that, you know, very professional from start to finish. It's kind of like a four day experience where there's a lot of prep work, not only physically where, you know, you're, you're starting in April, starting to get, get the, uh, the body ready to go, but just gear checklists. Yeah. Do we have everything? Here's the process. And I would say that's not, I'm not the best at that as we've learned from my, my moving stories here the last week that that's not, that's not a strength of mine to, you know, over-prepare. So that was, uh, I think that was a great experience for me, but, but definitely not something that I'm like, uh, geared towards, right. I don't have that habit of like, let's here's, here's all the, the, ice axes and things that that i need to have in my bag you know i would i was i was really glad we had guides to tell us that because i wouldn't have had anything that i needed if if it was a little bit more of a rinky dink operation sure well let's um i will get into it but let's cut to the chase good experience bad experience would you do it again what you know obviously you survived and you made it to the top so what you know what was the satisfaction like I would say excellent experience, unforgettable experience uh, would be at the top of the list. I would recommend, but with the you know context of you got to be ready to go. Like it's a you know it's something that's it was on my mind for six to nine months, and it and I'm glad it was because I was I was prepared for it. Um, so there were six of us. It was my basically five best friends from college, um, and I think that's probably what made it such a an excellent experience. Was it was just a good amount of time. And a really good environment to spend like four, three, four days with, you know, with my best friends because I'm 10 years out of college and you don't really realize it where I didn't. And I was thinking about this over the past couple of weeks. I keep in touch pretty well with, with my, you know, my buddies, but you, you start to, you forget like how much is going on in everyone's life. And that it just hit me like how much I don't know about like what they're up to with job, family, wife, girlfriend, whatever. And I see, I've seen them all at, you know, my wedding and bachelor parties this year. And, uh, we do an annual ski trip, but this was such a, like, uh, kind of a core group and you're just, there's no, there's no partying involved. Right. So it's not like you're, we're not up there like drinking our faces <laughs> off or anything. Right. So, and you're also just basically walking up, especially day one, you're just walking up like what would be like a steep blue run slash black run on a, on a, you know, ski slope for like five hours straight. And so, you know, you end up like, God, just take my mind off like one step in front of the other. So you start talking and you start getting like really deep on different topics with, and, and everybody, you know, kind of having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the guy in front of you. And then you take a break, you kind of mix the order up. And so all of a sudden you're like, man, I just caught up with like all my best friends, like, you know, for like, you know, in a very worthwhile way. Um, and then also just like bullshitting, right? Cause you are, again, you're, you know, so you're talking about a lot of stupid stuff at the same time. So I would, I would say that the fact that I did it with a core group of my friends made the experience like so much better. And we had two other individuals that were kind of solo that was in our group of eight. Um, and they were great. Uh, but I could, I don't know if that would be a great experience for me to just go like climb Mount Rainer alone, right? Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be super fun but we all all eight of us made it to the top the guides were like very stoked on that they were like usually you know we have to 
turn back or someone has to kind of sit out the the summit climb you know they, they they're monitoring you very closely on like are you drinking enough water are you you know is yeah. the altitude getting to you are you eating at breaks like are you listening and he said a lot of times a group like ours would come will come and you know five of the six are ready to go and then one guy's just a, a clown you know and thought yeah. it was going to be easy and <laughs> yeah. he, get, he gets bodied and so i was proud of like the squad everybody was prepared you know we were all kind of monitoring each other's training and stuff um and so that made it a lot better like it wasn't easy to get to the top but at no point did i think anyone was going to turn around which was i think the fact that we all did it together made it to the top and then made it back down safely was was uh, was great and was this i was uh no go ahead sorry i was in the restroom uh because i had too much liquid death i i, I uh, murdered my thirst too much but neil like any um uh, any clarity on like why you guys chose this mountain? Is it just because honestly, it's it was easy to get to? Well, it's it's kind of a famous. I think it's a famous climb. It's like the the pinnacle of I would say beginner climbing is is how I would phrase it. Like I don't think you can just you know you you can try to just go do it yourself. But there's also not a ton. Like you're roped in for the summit climb, and I can kind of lay out how it all worked the the progress up the mountain. But at no point were we like, was I rappelling down anything or, you know, rock climbing or anything like that. So it's like, it's not it's, like super technical. Yeah. It's like right at that point where it's like, there's some spots where it's like, damn, this is getting kind of technical, like walking over ladders with like, you know, 500 foot crevasses below you. Like, yeah, that's a little unnerving. And then you got the, the axe and we had to do all this safety stuff with like ice axe arrests and, you know, bad stuff can happen up there. Um, but, it, but overall, I think if you were to talk to like an, a, a true mountaineer, they'd be like, oh yeah, Rainier is, you know, is, uh, like that's the beginning. And I think a lot of people do this climb and then they get like really into it. The next step, like I'm going to go do Denali in Alaska, and then I'm going to do all the, you know, the peaks on the seven continents, or I'm going to go down to the Andes and, and do stuff. Um, so I think this is kind of that, that first big challenging entry climb that, you know, people like, and it's also just a really impressive mountain. Like it's a giant, you know, active volcano an hour and a half South of, of Seattle, I think Southeast. Um, and it, you know, you see it on the way in on the plane, like it's a monster and it's it, so big. It's, I think it, it's in the top 10. It's not the highest mountain in the continental United States. Um, Mount Whitney is, but like Whitney doesn't, Whitney's a part of a range. The prominence. Yeah, the prominence and the just sheer, like you're going from like 5,000 feet up to 14,400. Like it's right there in front of you. It is, uh, I think, iconic for that reason too. So um, as far as timeline, did going up and back, did this all occur within like 24 hours? Was it shorter? What, what, what was the process for the actual hike up and back? Yeah, so we flew in. Um, we had like an orientation where we did all the gear packing and had to rent some stuff. And that's all at this like Whitaker um, base camp. Um, and the guys that started Whitaker Mountaineering, one of them was the first American to climb Everest, I think. So they're, they're kind of like a very known, respected entity in, in the climbing, the US climbing community, I believe. Um, and then the day, the second day was like training. So we, we hiked up about, I don't know, a quarter of, of the mountain, like right where the snow starts. And we did like ice axe stuff They they taught us like how to rest step. So there's this technique where you want to rest on your skeleton, basically on your frame so that you don't wear your legs out. So you're kind of like, 
you know, very rhythmic steps, almost robotic up the mountain. And it was, I was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, a little weird. It was so in, like helpful and important, like going up, getting into a rhythm with that kind of like technique yeah. was uh, really, really important. Um, and then, you know, working with the ropes. So you're roped in on, on the summit stuff. So like how, like this is the rope should have this much slack in it. So just a lot of the safety stuff, which is probably like three or four hours. And then we, day three is like the first day of the actual climb. You get up to the national park, like the base area, and you've got, I don't know, 40, 45 pounds on your back. And you just, you know, start walking uphill basically. And, and, and what time of day, day was this? Where did like, we got on the mountain at probably 9.30 a.m. Okay. And maybe 10 a.m. Let's say 10 a.m. And we just started going, ah, was it 10? I guess it was, let's say in, yeah, I guess it was 10. And What's the weather like at the bottom? It was really sunny, very hot. Uh, we actually got lucky that there was cloud cover um, because you're basically just going straight up. At what, I, again, is like a, it, at first it's like, not, like steep, um, like uh rocky terrain and then the snow starts and it looks like a blue run right a very steep and it looks like where you get these steep pitches and then it'll flatten out a little bit and then straight and then steep again and you're just going straight up and it, and if the sun was out that section would have would have stunk um because it's it's uh you know it's not like you're not roped in it's not super steep so you're just like damn all right so one foot in front of the other and it took us about for I'd say five hours to get to 11,000 feet, which is where Camp Muir is. So that's like the middle, or not really the middle, but like that's like the, uh, a lot of people do a day hike to that um, that spot. And there's like a bunkhouse there. There's like a national park ranger hut. And you know, there's kind of like, that's just like the, that's like the top for just like the day climber national park, you know, visitor, right? Like that's where you, that, okay, you made it, cool. And so we stopped there. Uh, there's a bunkhouse with like very, very bare bones, like three levels of bunks. It was our group of eight. And then there's another group of eight. So 16 of us are in this bunkhouse. Um, and we basically just like, yo, pick a bunk, heat up your, you know, rehydrated camping food and, <laughs> uh, you know, basically spend like three, four hours kind of, you know, hanging out. So we played a little hacky sack, you know, enjoy the view. And then, they walk through like the plan for the summit climb and then basically around dark. So like seven thirty eight, it's like, all right, cool. Try to get some sleep. And they don't tell you what time they're going to wake you up because they're like, if we do that, you're going to be thinking about waking up and you're not going to get any sleep. So they're like, it's going to be sometime between, you know, 1130 and 330 AM, 1130 PM and 330 AM. And of course they came like right at 1130. <laughs> Um, and so you slept, you know, maybe two, two and a half hours. And then by midnight, and is that based on conditions and forecast or is that based on the, like the, the ability of the group and the speed at which you can attack the summit? I think the or? plan there is that you, if you, we left it probably midnight or 1215. And if you, you know, if you're, if things go as planned, it takes about six hours to get up there. So you're looking at. Uh, summiting right around sunrise, which is epic. And then also it gives them plenty of time if there's any issues on the mountain, if there's weather or it just buys time for like, you don't want to be up on above that camp mirror for any longer than you, you have to be. Um, so I think coming down things in the afternoon, depending on the weather can get a little dicey on like it gets slushy. It gets, you know, weird, like the crevasses are moving. Like it, there's a lot of 
dynamics going on. So basically, we, we throw on your ice, your crampons, we rope in. Uh, your pack's not as heavy because you can leave a bunch of stuff at the bunkhouse. So probably like 25 pounds on your back, 30 pounds. A lot of that's water. And uh, you got a headlamp on. And basically, it was I was a little uneasy about this. Like, okay, we're just going to hike up this mountain in the dark but it was like your world is like the three feet in front of you that the uh head you know the headlamp is is lighting up and like you're focused on the rope and the guy in front of you and i think that was a massive like benefit for me because you're you it just forces you to focus on like literally the next step and what like what the issue is right here on the switchbacks and stuff and then coming down in the daylight it's like you see all the scary shit that you've been climbing around and like how steep it is and I mean, even on the way up, I was almost convincing myself, like, yeah, there's probably another way down. Like, there's no way we're coming back down this. Like, that doesn't make any sense, you know, but I'll worry about that later. And then sure enough, we went exactly straight back down the same trail. And it's like, oh, God, this sucks, dude. Because on the way up, it's really physically taxing. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's difficult, but you can get in a rhythm with the steps and it, it, there's a pace to it. Coming down... I, it was very difficult, frustrating. I thought I was going to blow my knee out. Like you can't do any steps. You feel like you're going to fall. You're getting yanked by the rope. The guides are pushing the pace because they don't want to be up there any longer than they need to be um, because that's when like accidents happen. Uh, and it was just like, it was very uh, tedious coming down um, in, in certain spots. And then like, there's, there's like also coming down, like the guiding companies go up like early because they know this. And then like, on our way down, there's like almost a traffic jam of other people coming up behind us. And so they're saying like, it gets dangerous in some of these sections when people are above you, they kick a rock, that thing's going 2000 feet, oh, right? And that could, you know, there's like this one spot on the mountain yeah. um, where they, uh, like it's right below, the, there's one section called Disappointment Cleaver, which was basically just like a vertical, like loose rock face that we climbed up and back down. But then right below that, it's called the bowling alley. And it's all these rocks coming off the disappointment cleaver just come running through there. So the guides are like really, really like this is a no fucking talking zone. Okay. Because we are listening for stuff that's falling. And I guess like the biggest mountaineering accident in US history happened in that spot where like, I don't know, like 15 or 20 people just got like swept off into a crevasse and like never found. Right. So like that specific Jesus. section is like, Everybody shut shut up and like we got to get through this quickly, you know, but it's also very steep so you can't go that quick. So it's just like dead silence like listening for falling rocks. <laughs> um and so that that going up in the dark, there's nobody above you so they're less concerned. Mm -hmm. But coming down, there's always people up there so they're like that's when, you know, stupid shit happens. It's more human error than anything else. That's really So, sorry. Yeah. I'm no, rambling that's a really bit, interesting. But basically Day two, and, and the guy, again, credit to the guides, like the plan is, okay, and they map it all out, like in, you know, it's it's very detailed. It's like, okay, we're going to stop four times. There's There are four places to stop. We do not stop uh, otherwise. And you are basically committing to us that if you come out of the break, you're going to make it to the next checkpoint. Mm -hmm. Because if you force the group to stop, like in the middle of breaks, like that's dangerous for everybody. We won't, you know. So it was like every hour, I'd say hour and a half, 90 minutes, there'd be a break, right? And so you're going from 11,000 feet to 14,400 in that time frame. And so um, that was the, the fact that there was, it was very regimented and you knew the plan ahead of time, I think really helped me like wrap my head around just like taking it one checkpoint at a time. 
Um, and then again, like I said, like they were kind of aware of like when you sat down, first thing you do, you got to put your park on because you're sweating like crazy. But then like within 30 seconds, you'd be shivering if you yeah. didn't get your parka out. And what sucks is like you're really tired and you're, kind, you know, at altitude, you're just kind of hazy and sleep deprived. And like, it's very easy to just sit down and be like, I just don't want to get my bag <laughs> right. out and rearrange stuff. I don't feel like eating a cliff bar. I don't want that. I don't want to drink anything. And there's a lot of people that start doing that. And the guys are basically like watching. And if they see that, they start, you know, talking to each other of like, hey, man, like, what's what's the deal? Like uh, one of the guys in the other group that I could tell was like not, you know, he wasn't he wasn't doing any self-care as they talked about it. Um, so that was a, you know, that was a thing. But I think having my, you know, my buddies, our, our group, we were all keeping each other honest with that stuff. And like. I don't know, just maybe from like playing football and stuff, like the guys, be, they would ask every break, like, how you doing? And I'd always be like, fucking awesome. How are you doing? You know, just being like super like over the top about like, you know, checking in with them, mm -hmm. um, which which I think that, you know, they probably appreciated too. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we hit the summit. Unfortunately, the weather wasn't great. We walked right into a cloud, which which ended up being like 30 mile an hour winds like gusts and that kind of stunk at like 6 a.m so we didn't get a, a feel for the sunrise uh which is, is kind of the most epic thing of like the sun coming up as you're you're coming up this like southeast face of the mountain um but we we hit the summit at i think six i want to say 6 30 a.m hung out up there for probably 15 minutes and it's a crater so you're kind of just in this flat like volcanic crater uh, and there's like a rim you know like a little rim on top um kind of chilled and then and then you start walking back down and that's when it got kind of like that was the worst part for me it's just getting back down like the adrenaline's gone i think the altitude's finally starting to hit it makes you kind of have a temper a little bit like short-circuited just getting i just get so frustrated you just want to be done with you just want to be at the bottom yeah and then yeah. like it hit me like I decided like not to take a dump in the bag up the top <laughs> thinking I could make it. And then all of a sudden it's like a minute I start coming down. It's like, oh God, dude, I got to go really bad. But like there's not a good spot to do it because now we're on the side of the mountain. And so then you know, there's just a lot of factors there of like I'm ready to like, I'm, I'm good. I want to get down, you know, like, but you can't rush it. There's just, there's no right. rushing it. You know, you, you, you got to yeah. come right back down the way you came. Um, and then you stop at Camp Muir everybody... for about an hour and then you walk down the ski slope and that part's chill. Like you're not roped in anymore. You can kind of slide down on your, you know, rain pants and, uh, everybody smells and is, is pretty jolly. And then you get back to the, the base. They, they bust you back to like the, the Whitaker like, um, shop and kind of base camp, which is like 30 minutes away. And then, yeah, we just kind of had a bunch of cold beers and, and pizza and it was a ton of fun. <laughs> Do, do do all the people uh, summiting, do some stay in tents up there at Camp Mir, or is it all in the bunkhouse? No, they, the bunkhouses are for these guiding companies. So I think RMI and there's okay. one or two others that there's like two sides to the bunkhouse. So I think the guiding companies work closely with the National Park. And I think the Park Service loves them because it's like less potential chance yeah. for them to have to go up there and get somebody. Um yeah, I'm Googling it. The amount of people that have died. Yeah, this, and like, there are crazy. tents. Like, there's a whole, like, tent area on the backside of Camp Muir. So, there was probably, I want to mm -hmm. say, 15, 20 tents, if I had to, you know, if I'm guessing based on memory. Uh, but I think, you know, you have to get permits. So, the, the guides also just kind of do all the permitting and, and make sure that everything's, you know, ready to go when you when you show up. So, 
if you're not into mountaineering, like I'm, I'm not like, there's no way I'm doing this without a guide, yeah. like a period. Yeah. Yeah. It's like me with fly fishing. Like I suck at tying flies. Like the experience isn't going to be good unless I have a guide. Yeah. Like I just haven't done it enough, but I do enjoy the activity. How much gear, how much gear did you have to buy versus how much did they provide? Well, that's the other thing. You could rent it all from, from Whitaker, okay. from like RMI. They had like a, and they were really, really helpful. Like in the rental shop, like I rented a few things I didn't need. They were cool with me just like giving them back or like changing things out. So um, all of that was uh, extremely helpful. God, someone's peeling out down here. That's good stuff. We, uh, um, we've we seen Mount Rainier Rainer start to smoke a little bit. Now, would that have affected your climb? No, that was, that no, was that false. Was false. Oh, that was false. so okay. I actually, I asked him on the training day. I asked our guide. I was like, hey, what's the uh what's the deal is this is this puppy gonna blow you know and, and they were like no nah. <laughs> like we you know it'll start it'll start grunting and groaning before it does at least that's what the national park and the u.s you know the geological survey says but they got a bunch of monitors up there but it i think it is due to just you know let off some steam here in the next hundred years um but which yeah randy we were we were talking about it on the trap jaw maybe three or four weeks ago and that whole thing was a false alarm. It was all bullshit. It was just a cloud that looked like It was a cloud. Like smoke. Oh, my God. I'm thinking like, yes. yeah, how yeah. is it false? And so all these yeah. media companies huh. are going nuts. The real danger, though, is is the uh, is the glaciers, right? So the whole, basically everything above Camp Muir is a, a one glacier or another. And they're, you know, they're moving. And the crevasses, like the, the trail that they cut, it changes like every week, right? With So the, the crevasses, they grow. They have these ladders out, but then like one of the ladders we crossed, like it was almost not usable. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, well, this sucks. Like, you know, that ladder was a lot easier for me to cross in the dark when I couldn't see 500 feet below me <laughs> yeah. th through the ladder. Like, yeah. you know, I'm and I kind of realize this about myself now, like I didn't really know it, but like I'm not a huge heights guy, you know? So it was like, oh shit, like walking up this this morning, like that's a 5,000 foot drop on the left side of this, you know? of this trail and i didn't you know i couldn't see that this morning with the headlamp and walking yeah. back down you're like oh my god like this is this is crazy so if i had seen that going up it probably would have freaked me out a lot more huh did you guys do anything else afterwards or did you just kind of uh no just man you're hanging you're, out there we were, base and then everybody flew yeah, out yeah pretty pretty worn out like shout out to the whoop like 20 strain i was gonna um, ask 20. if you 2. wore the whoop and what your yeah 20 what was it 20.2 mm -hmm. 20.2 on the uh, kind of the summit day. So up and up to, from Camp Muir and then all the way back down. I think the day before was 18. Um, and so some good quality strain in there. Um, and yeah, we went, we had an Airbnb, so we had a hot tub. So we just went and chilled in the hot tub and, you know, just kind of like tried to start recovering, which was great. I, I didn't really feel like doing much. Actually, we had we had beer and pizza with our guides, though, for, yeah. you know, a couple hours afterwards, and that was a, a ton of fun. So, Did, overall, like, I would recommend it, but it's like you just got to know, like, what you're walking into. Like, it, this isn't camping. It's not, like, it's a, it's yeah. a process. Like, you got to be kind of, like, dedicated to the whole craft because there's a lot of tedious stuff that goes with it, with the, the, the you know, getting yourself physically ready, plus the packing and the prep and the safety stuff. And, and so um, if you're ready for that stuff, I think it's definitely a, a worthy experience. Which it sounds like the true definition of like type, type two fun, meaning yes, like kind of miserable while it's happening, but 
like really satisfying and fun in retrospect. A sense of accomplishment. Yeah, very rewarding to think back on, you know, and and even in the moment, like rewarding parts to it. Like the there's there's something very you know uh, basic and fulfilling about like the progress you make up a mountain. You're like you can see like it, I remember right when we set off from Camp Muir, you could see these headlamps up basically into the dark abyss, and you're like, oh my god, that's where we're going. Like that's so far away. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, damn, we just made it to that point. Like after 90 minutes, like that's pretty cool. You know, mm -hmm. like that's uh, because I remember asking the guys like how far up, like what, where are those lamps? They like, oh, that's probably like our first checkpoint. I was like, oh, fuck, man, <laughs> this is going to be brutal, <laughs> you know, and then you just put your head down and you just start going. And like all of a sudden, like 90 minutes later, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I can do this. So that that's like in like those little wins, you know, throughout the day is, is important. Yeah. What's the season like? Like what, uh. How early can you go and what's the last kind of weekend or time frame that you can do it? So I think feasibly? the real like hardcore climbers can do like the winter stuff is, it's, yeah. uh, I think the conditties are miserable, but like the, there's actually, it's in some ways a little safer because like there's less, um, it's, it's like the ice isn't melting. Exactly. There's nothing. Yeah. There's less uh, volatility, but the, you know, the, like the visibility and the conditions can be, they're very, dynamic or volatile i think yeah. one of the, the uh, talking about like talking about like guided climbing. yeah they start in like late april may i think may is kind of where they'll start doing them and actually uh the woman that was in our group she had tried to summit in may and they got like into this you know waist deep snow and it was brutal and they had to turn around like the whole group the guy was just like yeah this ain't this isn't gonna work so they so she came back to do it like they had a, a spot open up and they basically put her on a list of like, Hey, I'd like to, you know, almost like a rain check. Um, but there's no guarantee. I think like, you know, I don't know what the percentage is on summits, but it, it, I think our group was the second group that our guides had had that season where all eight people made it to the top. Right. So in, in the summer, and that's probably, uh, I think they're running, you know, they're running a, a lot of, uh, a lot of expeditions or tours up there. So I think it starts in June. It's a little, you know, questionable on what kind of weather you're going to get. Uh, August, September is the best chance at a summit. Best weather. I think a lot of the melt's gone, like less avalanche potential. And then I think October is like the last chance. And then November, December is kind of like off season. Yeah. And then what, uh, like on the descent, or I guess the ascent too, but more for the descent from like a view perspective, did you get down below the clouds and like what, what direction does the route face does it face it, south it faces or? south and and the face that we climbed up is like the southeast face so that's why like the sunrise okay. is is epic on that route and then there's the i think the indigenous name for uh rainer is tahoma big tahoma and then just south of it is little tahoma which is this crazy looking rock um mountain um like just south of it and then you can see Mount St. Helen, Mount Adams, like all these other volcanoes down, you know, towards Oregon. So you're basically looking out at Oregon um, on the, and that's where the national park, that, that South side is the uh, national park entrance and all that stuff. So it's, it's an, the views were epic. Once we got out of the clouds, it was unbelievable, but you're also like, you know, it, part of me is like, man, I wish I would have, you know, I got some pictures and, and taken it in a little bit, but you're, just, you know, very tired and you're just like, I'm, I was just worried about like, I don't want to fall. I don't want to tear my ACL. Like I'm just trying to, I'm going to stay focused on the task at hand here. So I, I didn't let myself wander 
you had time to do that on breaks, but when you're when you're like you know climbing, it's like you can't get your phone out. You're, you're not like uh, you're not on a joy ride up there, especially on the way down. Did you uh, did you have opportunity then to uh, you know have a maybe not the perfect bogey, but a bogey up there? Was that something that you guys wanted to do? Uh, unfortunate, I'd say, you know, the 30 mile an hour gusts and the lack of a butane lighter, <laughs> um, poor planning. So I'd say that would be like the one glaring miss from a planning and, and prep standpoint from, uh, from uncle Mills and I, uh, we did have a pack of, of cigs. We just didn't really have a chance to light them up. Uh, so, you know, we may or may not have done that in the hot tub, uh, later that evening. Um, so I would say the perfect bogey is still out there to be attained. We're still, we're, we're working towards it, Randy. <laughs> Huh? On the beer front, did you at least drink a a, a Rainer? Yeah, uh, I had like fifteen of them, like lager or pilsner. Yeah, the, the Rainer beer. Good beer. They also, sh- yeah. uh, would encourage the uh, the listeners to go and look up uh, Rainer beer uh, commercials. They have these commercials from like the eighties that are just like they're kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I don't know who was running uh, running their marketing, but it's it's good stuff. Um, and I don't know if they're supposed to be funny or if. <laughs> Or, or not but it's just like one of them is just like a guy on a motorcycle just like gunning it down the road and like it's just like the sound of a hog coming at you and then he just like flies by the camera and then the camera turns around and, and mount rainers in the background and it's just like rain or beer like you know get yourself a cold one it's basically the vibe of like you know i'm on my i'm on my hog and i'm i'm up in the pacific northwest and this is what i drink it's it's good stuff you know, you brought up the uh, Seattle freeze earlier. Did you experience that at all, or that didn't just hear about it? Second, yeah, didn't really spend enough time up in the area. Um, I would, I would say, I didn't experience. I was on the lookout for it, uh, but I, I didn't experience it. I mean, it can't be any worse than like the the New York attitude that you're. The, the New York thing's interesting, to, right? It's uh, somebody told uh, equated it the other day of like. People in New York aren't, uh, they're not uh, kind or they're not polite, but they are helpful. And I would echo that. I think that people, they don't really have time for like the niceties, but like if you're in need or you need help or like there is a a general sense of like, hey man, we're kind of in this together. Like, you know, like why don't you, I'm going to mind my business, but if I see that you need a hand, like I'm going to try to look out for you. I I do like that about New York City. Like... Also, I've just noticed how many people don't seem to get like let little shit bother them in New York, where it's like nobody nobody has time for like road rage or nobody has to, at least like in Manhattan, in Brooklyn, in the city, nobody has time for hey this person just cut me off walking down the sidewalk or this or that. Everybody just like gets on with their day. There's no there's no like really grudges. One thousand percent. I'm making a rampage. I'm making a rampage. No, no. I think that's, that's been perfect. my experience. Like, it, people use like, for instance, the, the car horn, like people use it very liberally here, but like a nobody gets yeah. offended by it. Everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah you're right. Like I got to move, you know, or, or like, yeah, I cut you off. Like no one's, no one doesn't really seem yeah. like you're right. Like no one's getting out of their car and like flicking each other off and, <laughs> you know, turning it like nobody has time for it. It's just like, yeah, fuck off, man. Um, which is which i think is sweet right there's just but it's also what i was saying earlier about like there's so many little like sack taps that happen in new york city where it's just like oh god that's you know so you're just constantly getting like pricked with like needles or like you know 
kind of like lightly kicked in the balls. Uh, and I think that that's always been a hard adjustment for me when I come back to the city. You know, it's like the U-Haul. God, it's eight foot limit on the height of the vehicle. Like that's just such a little kick in the nuts of like that just made the two hours I took to rent this U-Haul like completely <laughs> pointless. Like what are we doing? What am I doing? Like that is that sucks. So until you kind of get back like, you know, on the highway, like there's like a 30 day like merge period of getting back into the like the pace of New York. And until you do, you're just yeah. getting, you know, sack tapped is probably the word I would use. Just like lightly. I mean, are you excited? Do you have an, a nice new place? Uh, do you have a parking spot? Like what's the, what are the creature comforts look like? Uh, I know this is kind of your first, first place that you wanted to live in. Yes. I, I like my apartment. Right. Uh, I, I will like it a lot more when we have some furniture. Uh, I have a great view of, of uh, uh, Manhattan, lower Manhattan here in, in my new office. Um, so I'm excited to do a little nesting. Um, I, I do not have a garage. I'm, I'm street parking. So that's another one of those little nuances of every neighborhood has its different parking, yeah. like little rhythm, rhythm of, of like the, of the, the streets, street Wednesday, Friday, it's only one day a week, which is plumbing. great. But at yeah. the same time, like you kind of got to get on the schedule. Like we had a call earlier at, you know, noon. Well, street cleaning was 1130 to one. So I kind of missed the window and then I get out there and you know, that that's, you know, if you, if you're ready for it, you can kind of. I'll, you know, I'll call my mom. I'll call, you know, I'll call some people like from the car, right? You just kind of like build it into your day. Um, but it takes a, a week, two weeks, a month to get back into those like little things. Instead, I went out to move the car, you know, and it's like all the spots are taken. So I'm like driving around. So then it's just a lot more inefficient. And that's a big, like that's a sack tap, right? Didn't expect to have to spend 45 minutes moving the car today, right? That's, that's going to cost you. So, uh, you know, you just gotta, you gotta adapt. You, you gotta, gotta have your head on a swivel looking for, you know, ways to be more efficient because the city will yeah. either bleed you of money to have, to like make problems go away, or it'll force you to like figure out a better solution like quickly, but you gotta kind of be on the lookout for it. And that's, I think what's stressful about it is just, there's just a lot coming at you at all times, but I do like that. Like I'm happy what? to be back. I feel, I feel the energy. What's the, uh, you know, what's the the kind of talisman or uh, uh, calling card of your neighborhood now, you know, before it was kind of the, what was it? The, the steak place. Yeah. Uh, Peter Luger's. I used to live street. in Williamsburg. I'm now in Carroll gardens and uh, aptly named. So it was a uh, planned in the 1850s. I think the whole neighborhood was pretty much built 1850s to 1880s. Um, and it was planned out to have uh, gardens. Right. And so there are these big blocks, um, you know, streets. And then on either side, there's like front yard gardens to all these brownstones. So that, that kind of is the, uh, the vibe, which then brings in more sunlight. And, you know, it's, it's, a, I, I like so far, I like the neighborhood a ton. And then the, uh, Gowanus Canal is to the east of me. Um, there used to be a ton of, you know, mills and like dye factories, tanneries, I think throughout the late 1800s, early 1900s, a bunch of manufacturing. Uh, a lot of those buildings, I think, like mine as well, it was an old mill that has now been gentrified into uh, apartments for douchebags like me uh, instead of industry. Uh, and the Gowanus Canal is uh, a super fun site, which means it's one of the most toxic like waterways in, in the nation. And they've been trying to clean it up for, I think, like 20 or 30 years. Um, I don't I got to dig in on the progress of the uh, the super fund 
site, but I think they were just dumping every possible thing in it from like 1840 through like 1920. And, and I, I don't think that's a good thing. Uh, but that canal connects to the uh, New York, you know, Bay or New York Harbor, um, like right kind of on the, I guess, southwest corner of Brooklyn inside the Verrazano Bridge on the west side of that. And then um, or I guess it cut it cuts out like right where Red Hook is. If you, you guys probably don't know where that is, but that's like the southwest corner of Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm looking at um, a map. And yeah. so the canal has all What's these uh, like draw, you know, like um, bridges that go up and down that used to obviously let boats through. Um, so it's got a, you know, there's a little bit of like uh, infrastructure there that I really enjoy about the city. So I'm, I've been walking around uh, the past couple of days, and I'm liking what I see so far, TC. What's uh, what's Prospect Park like? It is a more, I would say, like a more rough, gruff version of Central Park. So they've got some of the same amenities, but it's a lot more overgrown. It's a lot more like anything goes. Like Central Park's pretty strict about like where you can throw a baseball and where you can, you know, throw a football around and where you can have a picnic. And Prospect Park's like you can kind of do whatever you want out there um, is is my experience in Prospect Park. Uh, Any Hasidics? No, man. They're all up in South Williamsburg. Um, but God, those guys got detonated in the New York times a week or two ago with the, uh, yeah, they've been, you know, they have all their own schools and they're always whipping their, their, their school buses around, um, the religious schools, but they take a ton of taxpayer money, um, for said schools. And then like, I think, you know, they're, I think they had like a 99% fail rate on standardized testing, um, you know, for like basic, like language and you know, or English and math because they're doing a, a lot more uh, religious, you know, schooling. Uh, so the New York Times did a big expose. I've kind of seen both. Like some people were like, oh, this is a hit job, you know, on the Hasidic community. And then on the other side, it's like, well, you know, they're they're kind of working the system and getting tons of government money. And then they're not like educating the kids for the modern world. So I would encourage people to go read that. It was, it was an interesting uh, look into that community and you know, also the New York Times, like no, none of the sick people wanted to talk to the New York Times. So it was kind of one sided. So it's a little bit of, uh, you know, you, you could you could get the fake news crowd all riled up about that, that report. But something that the, Dude, the I trap draw boys I was always, I was always fascinated whenever you told me all the stories about that. Oh, it was great. I, I used to live right on the border between like hipster Williamsburg and the Hasidic community in South Williamsburg. And just the, you know, talk about the nuances of the neighborhood. Like in the dead of winter, all these Hasidic guys, they all drive minivans or Suburbans. And they're always, most of them are black uh, Suburbans or minivans. And these guys would just be lined up, like sitting in their cars at like 11 p.m. at night, like on their flip phones in, you know, in the dead of winter. And I'm like thinking like, huh, what's going on here? And then I was like, you know, like all these guys have like seven kids, you know? And so I, I think they're just out there trying to get some peace and quiet. So they're all just like just chilling in the car, like with the engine running, just like either napping or just like, just, I think just trying to get some, just trying to get some alone time from, from the mayhem upstairs, which I always got a real kick out of. It's like, oh, I see you. I see you, homie. I know. I get it, man. I know it's tough right now. It's January. So it's always good stuff. God, you're going to be so bitchy when you have kids. Yeah, for sure. And all your free time. For sure. <laughs> you know, Neil, last question I had for you was, are you going to move your home course from, uh, Flushing Meadow, Pitch and Putt to, you know, maybe Diker Beach or Marine Park. It seems like those are both closer to you. Yeah, now. I think the New York Roost has an event out at uh, Marine, Marine Park. Uh, 
I think in two weeks. I'm hoping I can get out there for that. Uh, I've never been there, so I would like to see that course. Um, but I would be open. I'm kind of a free agent right now, so I got to see. Um, I got to see what works. Yeah, Flushing is a little farther from me now, um, so that's tough. But uh, you know, I, I, you know, I love the pitch and putt, so it, it'll be a, a tough. I, I just generally like playing golf in the city. is It's not an activity that's uh, easy to do up here, so. More of an excuse for me to get out on trips with you guys so I can play some more golf. And, of course, you're always open to invitations to, to, to the exclusive of course, clubs. Of course. Member yes. guests will travel, you know, for member guest season next year. Um, so just, you know, let me know. You're assessing your options as far as private clubs go. You, you've looked into Blade uh, <laughs> getting over to Liberty National. I know you're a big Liberty National uh, guy. Yeah, for getting sure. There via via helicopter. For sure. The bla- yeah, the AO blade and- stuff. Definitely. Uh, I definitely looked at some literature on the uh, helicopter services. Yeah, definitely. In the, it's exactly what I'm what I'm up to. Uh, but I I do need you guys to put it on the calendar. Would love to get you up here for the uh, U.S. Open mm, tennis next yes, year. Yes, of course. We're yes. I think we're gonna we're gonna make a grand time of it next uh, next Labor Day. So. Uh, well, Neil, thank you. We took a lot of your time today, but thank you for catching us up on not only your expedition, but, you know, congrats on the move. Good luck with everything. And, uh, you know, we're, we certainly hope you're not a stranger to the trap draw. Of course. I'd love, you know, thanks for having me on guys. It's always, it's always great to connect with you. Wish, wish we would do it more often. You know, I'll, I'll see you soon. Absolutely. Neil, last question. Last question. What was... <laughs> What was worse, the the climb or the hundred hole hike? Uh, the climb was harder, uh, but the hundred hole hike was a great uh, kind of training checkpoint. So, yeah, I think I, I did a, a good job of of honestly. It was kind of a the training stuff was more of a lesson and like just do something every day and like little things. Like I tried to carry my golf bag as much as possible. Like we had tourist sauce like three weeks before the climb, so I'm like okay. You know, I, I was pretty religious about carrying the golf bag and loading it up and just like trying to sneak in strain, you know, any way I could. Um, and then also had a good uh, shout out to Trap Draw sponsor Whoop, had a good Whoop competition going with my buddies of like, if you didn't get 10 strain in the month of July, like you owed $5 to the pot. So it was a good motivating tool of like, I'm going to get to 10 every day. And, and most of the time it was, uh, you know, doing like stadiums in Florida with a weighted vest or going on a run or whatever. Um, one thing I did discover uh, in in training was two weeks before I was trying to like taper. Carson's parents, I was staying with them. They had an elliptical. I've never been on an elliptical before. I'm kind of like, I know it's like, like ellipticals are lame, but man, was it effective in getting the heart rate, getting the workout and the strain I needed and but saving the legs. So like in a lead up to the hike, I probably hit the elliptical for like an hour every day for about a week and a half. And I felt like awesome when I got off of it and I got a like massive, you know, workout from it. So 33 years old, Low late impact, to the elliptical baby. game, but it might be here to stay and I don't care how lame it is. Yeah, that makes you old. Uh, that's right. a good note to get out on. Uh, thank you, boys. Trap draw next week. Who who could say what it will possibly involve? But uh, we will we will see everybody then.
and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Who